Hey, Alex here. You know, every week I wonder if I'll keep having great enough content for this show. And each and every day, the question is completely obliterated by the stock market. I mean, this world is just crazy. Absolutely fascinating. Sometimes it's like high school. The way that these people, professionals, mind you, work and interact with each other. No wonder there's a crazy amount of movies about just this topic. There's really no end to the content that there's here. I mean, this week alone, we learned that a small family office acting like a shadow hedge fund, a word I didn't even know existed until now, um, may have just opened a can of worms to the, in the market to the tune of $24 billion in just a week. Listen to how this man and his small firm may have just revealed a major weakness in our financial systems and how you can trade it. Stay tuned. Hedge funds versus hedge funds versus big money managers. So many people think the stock market is just about the big guy versus the little guy, right? Big guys taking money from little guys. That's not the case. I mean, let this be an example. And there's a few articles about this on Yahoo Finance or finance.yahoo.com that you can check out if you're more interested. I actually link them in the show notes for you to make it easier. But here's a quick breakdown. This guy, Bill Huang was managing money um, in what was categorized as like a family office, meaning he was managing money for a family, I think, of like no more than five investors or something like that. That's what it was supposed to be. But he was managing money at like hedge fund levels of capital. We're talking billions of dollars. Now, what's the difference between what's considered a quote-unquote small you know, family office and a hedge fund? Well, due to regulations, hedge funds and other large-scale money managers have to divulge what they're buying and how they're doing their speculations, right? Because it is subject to regulations, and it uh, it helps the other financial people in the system to understand how these people are moving and working, right? So this guy was actually leveraging billions of dollars without having to report almost anything because of the, the, the family office regulations. It was meant to actually protect uh, small family offices, but he was able to leverage it into a way that he was able to control hedge fund-like money, but still uh, operate under the protections of the original law. Now, uh, by trading on margin with different banks, now listen to episode 106, should you invest on our margin to understand a little bit more about what margin is. But by trading on margin or borrowed money with different banks, and not having to report it, the banks didn't know that he was in bed with other banks. So he was doing the same speculation on the same stock, but with different banks using their money. For example, he was uh, investing in Viacom um, with a lot of money through leverage, but was doing it with different banks' money and able to prop up the stock almost by himself. 
right? Obviously, he's not doing it by himself, but by able to put so much money into it from different places, he was fabricating a bid for the stock that pushed the price up. Now, according to Yahoo.Finance, some of the trouble began earlier in the week, last week, when Viacom CVS sold $3 billion of their shares at a discount. So they offered more shares. They put more shares in the market. And typically when that happens, when a company offers more shares, that lowers the value of the shares that are already there in the market, right? It's like uh, shoes, or, or bags, right? A Birkin bag. If more Birkin bags are created and put out in the market, that's going to lower the value of each bag, right? The reason the bag is worth so much money is that because not that many people have them and they're really not produced that often. So for uh, this particular company, because there's a set amount of stock, each stock now has its own value. By putting more on the market, that means each individual stock is worth less now. So because they did that, in addition to some other things, according to these hedge funds that shorted the company, they started shorting Viacom and a company called Discovery and a couple other companies a lot because of fundamental reasons, particularly those two companies. Now, shares of both of these stocks began to come down. And because of that, right, this company was margin called, which means the losses that were shown on the books the, the the banks wanted them to cover some of that to protect themselves, right? That's how they that's how they work with margin. Again, go back and listen to the episodes. So again, in in regular words, in regular money words, right? A few big money movers shorted the stock he was holding up, right? By leveraging all these different banks, and because there wasn't an actual demand for the stock, right? Supply and demand, right? The supply increased, but there wasn't actual demand for the price for the stock at that price, right? The other hedge funds uh, caused the stock to fall. And because he was holding on margin, banks forced him to liquidate holdings to make up for those losses on the books. Because of the forced liquidation, right, the banks forcing him to sell, they were began minimizing their losses by selling the positions that he was leveraged into, right, forced selling. Now, the article goes on to suggest, right, that um, the problem with big moves like that and the companies that were shorted and began to fall because of him is that they're based on the data. Those companies are not supposed to move that fast, right? And we've talked about this before. Knowing and having an intimate relationship with some of the companies out there because some companies can move fast like a Tesla, um, AMD. Some companies are made to move quickly, and some companies just are not, like Coca-Cola, J&J, Pepsi. For, this co- for these two companies to move so quickly, right, it, it presented itself as like a black swan event, is what the article suggests. Now, black swan is like a completely out of nowhere, crazy, market-crippling event. Now, um, because those companies are not supposed to move fast, the banks apparently would have let him leverage more money with less collateral, right? And the idea is he's able to leverage more money because they're not worried about as much risk. If you're leveraging a lot of money and trading Tesla, there's a higher risk there because Tesla moves quickly. So they're going to require a larger margin. It's like you're starting a business. The leverage required to start um, to, to take over a McDonald's franchise 
versus, you know, starting a food truck is going to be a little bit different because one is riskier than the other. Same thing. When you're investing in stock, one stock is riskier than the other. So the collateral when you're trading on margin would have been a little bit different. Right, just to try to explain some of this to you outside of the story, to understand the underpinnings of all this. So essentially, when those companies that the banks had considered to be less risky, when they started to move on the downside a little bit faster than expected, things got really ugly really quickly. Now, a couple of the banks that were hurt, um, to name a few, were Credit Suisse, nor uh, Nomura and Goldman Sachs. Now, a chief market strategist at Miller Tabak, or Tabak, said the concern right now is that there could be other leveraged players in the global system that have very similar positions. Right? Basically, he's saying there's there could be other um, stocks that are being held up on margin, right, by highly levered individuals who are you know having all this profits profits on the books but may not have the market to um to reduce that position right and to get some of that leverage back and that could ensue or or can uh, uh force more selling in the future bear market calls right now since the market is so hot that's the real danger now imagine this right this is the worst case scenario if other banks see what just happened and they want to reduce their own exposure should there be another player in the system that's using their margin and using their money. Imagine they start margin calling their own clients. And we see this happening across a bunch of different banks. Well, this could cause some mass liquidation of a lot of big winners, particularly like tech and streaming um, and EV. Right? This could cause mass liquidation along some major winners. And again, worst case scenario, if the banks are all racing to liquidate first to make sure that they can cover their books before other banks do, that's where the big, big selling can really happen, right? The whole market could really unravel in that scenario. Now, that's worst case. Worst case. Now, I'm not trying to scare you or suggest that you invest in any way, right? You don't. I'm not saying to go buy puts on the on the S&P 500 or puts on a Nasdaq or puts puts puts. I'm not suggesting you 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 go into super bear mode. I just think it's fascinating because this came out of nowhere. I mean, a Viacom. The stock was at $100 last week and it dropped down to $50 in five days. And then you look at the news the next week and you find out that this is why. Like, that's crazy. And to make matters worse, right? This is what's even crazier. This guy, Bill Huang, he had already pleaded guilty a few years back to suspicious trading and investing activity, right? Insider trading. There's no way he should have been able to manage this much money, right? There's no way, right? There's something that said Goldman Sachs refused to do business with him and then just changed their mind and started doing business with him again. Like, why is it that this guy did something so wrong in the past with other people's money and then is back in the game again, right? And that just shows you, like I said, it's like high school, right? You, All this stuff is happening in this little inner circle that we call the financial markets, and it is really a lot of entertainment. So if you're tired of streaming the same old shows, watch this stuff. It's super interesting. But in all seriousness, this is serious now, be on your toes the next few weeks to see if any more news comes out about this 
or any other possible margin calling, liquidation, um, quote-unquote rotation, anything like that. Because if we see that start to pick up and more block block trades start to happen in the coming you know days and even weeks, and this whole um, this whole uh, bond rate thing kind of stays in that same realm where we're seeing rates continue to creep up, we could be seeing a perfect storm being created here, right? And again, this is not a, a bearish podcast episode. I'm just saying. It's cool to see these things inter- interact, and we're going to see what comes out the end of the tunnel um, at the end of all this. So, my newsletter releases its first issue tomorrow. You're going to get my picks coming into the month, market analysis, and more with every issue. So not signing up before the end of today will mean you may have to pay to get access to this post later. But those who already signed up uh, for free or for $5, depending on what you decide to do, um, before the release tomorrow will have access for free. So don't miss out. The link is in the description. Best of luck in your trades today. Keep those things we talked about in mind for the next few days and weeks so that we know exactly where to position ourselves, again, to best make uh, 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 take advantage of this opportunity. This has been your host, Alex Cunningham, saying be well and remember, as you begin searching for answers to life's challenges, don't seek security. Seek adventure. Adventure.